Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Say podcast, right? We are going to just take a little look back to the last few games uh, since Michael Bill has been appointed, because we generally haven't had the chance to do that um, as a as a as the foursome that I hear this evening. But we're going to look ahead to the big one on Saturday. I can't believe how quickly that's come around. As Sunderland play Newcastle, not a fixture we thought we'd see um, imminently, <laughs> but here it is. Joining myself, Stephen Goldsmith, is Gareth Barker. Good day. Evening. Everything How's okay? Still not got yeah. the match, no? No, I'm not. Okay, right. Uh, Richard I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. I mean, not. That's fine. It's fine. It's, yeah, it's fine. You've, it's you've, fine, is it? You've stated your case, I'm a, yeah. Am I allowed? I don't really care what anybody thinks. I can do what I want, can't I? You, can, you certainly can. <laughs> you absolutely can. Richard's here as well. Yeah. Hello. How are we? Okay, you? Yeah, really good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm in the excited phase now. Oh yeah, I get oh. like this. It, it's, it's about it's a two day window, and the next window is is sadly, um, bowel related dread. Um, but up until that point, it's all great. Like we're gonna win, and everything's gonna be great. Then, then it turns to dread, and it's, it's terrible. So mm. That's my problem, not yours. Well, yeah, well, I mean, I was going to say we'll get on to that in a second bit, but I, I don't want you to go on more detail into that, to be fair, but we'll we'll talk about uh, Newcastle specific, specifically, and it's kind of a preview show, but it's not, so um, Matt Kalen is here as well, we've just had a bit of a shuffle around in terms of who says what, and who's the biggest gobshite of the of the episode. Even all right, among. hello, you all right? Yes. Very, that looks very cosy what you wear in that wool. That wool. No, it is. It's better than putting the heating on, isn't it? So mm, definitely, definitely. Yeah, we're very much in um, Gary Lineker putting his glasses on the head territory here, aren't we? Really, for for like uh, this podcast because obviously we were all here. We're playing Newcastle, so it's like very like we mean <laughs> business. Something's gonna happen. First thing, something's happening. Really prepared statement. Yeah, yeah. None of us, but none of us <laughs> wanted to miss out on the pre. Yeah, on the pre Newcastle one. It's been that long since we've done one, isn't it? Absolutely mad. Um, we've never, we've never, never, never been us since since we've been doing the podcast, and we've been <laughs> on ten years. So that says a lot. Uh, anyway, let's let's. I want to just quickly do like ten minutes on on um, where we've been in the last few games because I don't really think we've had had a chance to all chat together. Uh, I don't want to go back. I know it sounds like I'm going back really ridiculously far when I mention the Coventry game, but. What I, I just wanted to make a comment that you know how the fans reacted to that game and um, 
that was very much the fans just venting their frustration, I think, wasn't it? Rather than being personal on Bale. I just want to say that a bit like we said before that game, how it was the decision to get rid of a popular manager. And then I think people were annoyed about the derby tickets, the, the seating arrangement thing. And I, I felt like everything just come together on that one game. And uh, I was concerned after that game when he's apologising to the fans. I thought that was ridiculously early to start apologising when you've been in one game. And I know he got kind of, he got a lot of abuse and criticism for saying we played well in between the box, but I actually agreed with him. I thought we, we I thought I thought we were all right. We just defended terribly for three goals. Um <clears> which we've seen us do before. But anyway, laws has gone on since then. I just want to make it clear because I think a lot of outsiders looking in and saying accusing Southern fans of not being very fair or willing to give Bill a chance. I don't think that's the case at all. I think um he was just happened to be there when everybody it all come to a head at one point, didn't it? And and, and everybody vetted their anger. But Anyway, good recovery since then, Matt. Yeah, I thought, um, yeah, I kind of agree. I thought the Coventry game was obviously a disaster, but we probably played better in that game than we did at Rotherham. And, uh, but like, you know, the, the two wins, the whole one was a, a good win to take the points off them as well because they're yeah. in good neck and in and around where, well, probably 10 teams are going wanting to be at the end of the season. But I thought the game on Monday um, was like, Really professional. He didn't really need to do a great deal once we had the two goals. It was a formality, I think. Um, and I think Ryan Lowe said as much in his uh, interview after the game. He said Sunderland didn't need to score again because we just managed the game really well. And we did. And it was quite encouraging because I think I looked at it initially and I thought mm, it wasn't. I don't. We didn't have a single shot in the second half, and I I don't think anything of note happened in the second half of the game. But it almost seemed it was a deliberate drop off. I think. Um, with obviously the big game on Saturday, you know, on the horizon, and with that game as well, the pressing game was Monday, so we only had five. We didn't have a full week either after that before the Newcastle game. So I think it's been a decent start, really. I think seven points from <clears throat> from three, really, to be honest, because we'll forgive them the Coventry game, maybe. Um, I think if 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 that was deliberate, that drop off in the second half, and that, that was really good because I, I remember I was sitting back thinking, I hope this is deliberate. <laughs> we're not just like, we're not just letting them. It's conserve, conserving, yeah, conserving energy just made sense. And I thought he dealt with. A, I thought your subs were really good as well. And I think Pembele come on and and run around like a baby giraffe for a bit. And um, whether that's just out a complete lack of match fitness or what, he just wasn't at the races at all. And I thought he yeah identified that quite quickly, didn't he? And 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 put an extra defender in there. And I think that was clearly just to protect him a little bit as well. So I thought he he's done that. He's done that twice, so hasn't he? He's brought defenders <coughs> on late in the game, um, in in yeah. in recent weeks. So that's a very stark uh, change to 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 previous, um, where we wouldn't ever do that. Really, you know, I remember remember when Lee Johnson used to bring on Bailey Wright in the last five minutes and put, go to a yeah. back three. We're kind of doing that again, but, yeah. I actually thought Pembele had an impact at Rotherham, to be fair. I thought he, he did okay. Yeah, he like, did, yeah. <laughs> and he just looked completely, completely like rubbish on Monday. But, yeah, you know, it was bizarre. Had... It was really bizarre. Like I say, you, you could see mm-hmm. Rotherham when he came on, you thought, actually, he's, he's quite a fatty. He's getting up and down the line, which is which is what we need at the moment. Especially now, Patrick Roberts is not going to be fit for the next few weeks because of, that kind of opens up for a, a full-back to get forward and get on the ball. But I was something else I thought worked well, Richard, the 
the decision not to go just with an out and out right winger, and it was almost like Job and Pritchard were playing as two tens and that, occupying that area, and everything went down there. All this talk about Jack Clark, but he was mm. he was ignored for for most of the first half, including in the end to to their detriment by the opposition because they decided they didn't need to mark him for a few seconds and got punished. Yeah, uh, it worked. I think it worked a lot better. I think. It... I know, I know. Roberts will hold his position, and he's he'll rarely, you know, he rarely come inside for the ball. Um, but with with Job and Pritchard, they were both kind of holding different positions and being very dynamic with it. It was it was good to see. Obviously, Clark is going to predominantly stay on the left, um, and I think when you when you've got Roberts, that that will stick on the right as well. You usually kind of lose the middleman a little bit um, if that's Job or Pritchard. It, you kind of you kind of have this big gaping hole in the, in what, what what should be the number ten position, but it worked. It worked pretty well. Um, admittedly, against a you know against a a pressed inside that weren't weren't great at the back. It was still it was still good to see that players taking up decent attacking positions. Mm. And Alex Pritchard, special mention, Gareth. I think yeah, he was class, wasn't he? Um, you know, he's played. Two very different roles in his in his starts in recent weeks against Leeds and um, on on Monday, um, but his influence in both games, you know, were massive. I mean, the strike for the goals, like he's he's hit that so cleanly, hasn't he? He's like it, it it just flew as soon as it left his foot, it was in. Um, but yeah, he's you know, it's it's just funny that we. Decided that we wanted to sell him in the summer, and you can see how vitally important he is to the team. So hopefully, we don't have any discussion about him <laughs> departing this month because you can see how important he is for a variety of reasons. They um, surely can't do that. Like you know, after the, like the fiasco they've had in the last few weeks, and they've just kind of they've got an opportunity on Saturday to get everyone like massively on side. And if they went and did things like that this month, they'd be like, "Are you doing this on purpose now?" <laughs> <laughs> But yeah. just tell Clark for four million quid or something as well for a laugh. <laughs> yeah, looking forward to speculation over January. It's going to be great, isn't it? Because um, I feel like it's a continuation. I don't remember, like on transfer deadline day in the summer, when suddenly like we were like, please like sign some players, and then it was just like about six of our players got linked with Premier League clubs, didn't it? And it was like, God, they're just going to lose our whole team here. And I feel like it's just going to continue on and be more spread out. They've always started with Dan Neil, haven't they? So, yeah, I think yeah. concerning that, to be honest. But... Well, especially when we've only got one midfielder aside from Dan Neil. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Jim, I think Jim Atten is coming back, but I think, do you know what I would say about him is he's probably, at least, I'll, I'll keep on thinking, well, when he comes in, at least we've got somebody to bring on in the last ten minutes. If you want to like show something up um, yeah. in that area, because we haven't got anyone to do that at the moment. I mean, we've had to bring on Alshish and Pritchard in that sort of area before. So you know, if we're not going to sign anybody in that position, um, it seems we're just going to sign more. Well, try and sign wingers. That's our favourite thing. Um, yeah, uh, well, you know that would be positive. But yeah, I, you know if. It, I don't really want to lose anybody in January, but you never know, do you? It, it, it just feels like a little bit. Some of the comments, you know, even from Morby previously and then from Beale on Neil, it, it's a bit like 
shining a light, isn't it? Rather than kind but he, of... To be fair, he tried to do... Uh, Marlborough tried to do that Roberts for the whole time yeah, he, he was did, here, didn't yeah. he? He did, yeah. yeah. I think um, in January, though, like, a manager can't really win sometimes when they're asked. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's difficult. It's like, you basically... He's not going to say Daniel's crap, is he? So, like... It's like, it's, like, do you think like do you think he's good enough to play in the Premier League? No, I think he's awful. Like, he's not gonna he's not gonna kinda come up. I thought that. Mike Michael Bale again jumping ahead a bit of the Newcastle game, but I thought he did quite well in the press conference today as well. I, I felt oh. like they were trying to um they were like chipping away at him to try and say something they've got the advantage because of the recent derby record and stuff like that. Do you feel like you've got a bit of a hoodoo over them almost? And he, he just didn't get dragged into that at all. He was just well, like, he's got a selling in like mm. experience, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. true. We haven't oh. talked about the fact that a striker scored a goal. Like it was really, yeah. really did really well to get across across that defender and stay it in and right. Roberts and Clark have done that hundreds of times this season put the ball in the mm. box and there's yeah. been nobody who's got the natural ability to just sniff out where it's going to land and Rusin did it and to be fair we were all praiseful when Rusin played in the, the home game he, when he can't remember it was against now but he played quite well and then suddenly just got dropped so with the amount of yeah. like chances that we've had over the last you know few well I would say like an entire calendar year um, where I kind of turned and said, yeah, if that had gone to Stewart, we'd have scored that. And Saturday was, well, not Saturday, no. Monday was the first, the first one that we've scored. That was a proper striker's goal. And that Stewart, you would have expected Stewart to get on the end of that and score. But I think the what expectations have dropped so much with, 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 with the situation that you just didn't expect Rusin to get on the end of it. Then he did. And it's like transformative almost. I think what you say about, I think Rusin for me, like he's very, he does a lot of the right things. Like you think about compared to the other strikers, how involved in the game he is. Like he <laughs> he does occupy defenders. He does you know turn them, run, being behind. He makes runs. He makes some good runs in the box. Um, he's had opportunities in games which he should have scored um, and hasn't. Um, whereas the others just haven't had any chances. <laughs> I think I remember Meander had a shot in a game, and obviously Hamia does things. Um, which... And they won't be doing things much longer. Yes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he, I, I was really because he just he. I know it's like the cliche sort of thing. Well, if you come and you work hard, you will get the fans on your side. And he he works so hard, like he just works his backside off. He runs all game. He, he to he, to try and get something going, try and do something, and that's all you can do sometimes. At least you can run around. That's all. And I know it's a low bar. At least he's doing it, and he's got his reward at the uh, on on Monday. It was a really nice, really nice striker's goal, like you said, Stephen. Where he's, you know, picking out time is run to perfection, um, and getting on the end of it. Yeah, touched the ball once in their box, so perfect, really. Yeah, so you nice for it. Good to see. Good to see. Right, let's take a quick break, and then we'll move on because I've got a big game to discuss. <laughs> Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. 
we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H E L P. Correct, that's out. Five wickets for Stephen Harmison. Very well deserved, well bowled. Australia in big trouble. All out 190. Stephen Harmison, take a bow. Five wickets. Six. Five wicket haul in Test Match cricket. Bowled beautifully today. Best bowling figures versus Australia. He'll be very, very happy. England will be happy. Australia will be a little bit disappointed. Welcome back to the Wise Man's Here podcast. Right. I'm delighted to say that we are joined by cricketing legend and talk sports Newcastle correspondent. Is that fair? Is that your official title now, Steve Harmson? It's one of them. Yeah, it is one of them. Thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, it's one of them. It's cricket correspondent, Newcastle correspondent. Um, I'm off to India, so I do the Man City game, and then that's me gone for what could be two weeks, it could be six weeks, it could be seven weeks. God knows what's happening with talk sport. But yeah, I'm, I think a man of many trades and useless at most of it. <laughs> that's a bit harsh. Um and uh, you were you were in India recently for the World Cup, weren't you? And they really re- you was just telling me they really respect your privacy over there and stuff, don't they? Oh yeah, brilliant. Yeah, it's it's a it's a wonderful place, is India. It is full to the brim of people um, who don't like standing behind anybody else. It's uh, seems to be an insult when you're on the road to be behind somebody. Um, everybody seems as though they've got a new horn for Christmas um, from a car point of view, but it's a great place and. <laughs> England are going for five test matches, which is going to be tough. The World Cup was tough. Um, and they're not going to the big cities either, which makes it even more of a challenge because um, when you're in the big cities, it's fine. But when you go to the likes of where England are going, which is Riyadhkot, you know, Ranchi and Vishkapatnam, it's, it's, it is a, well, people might say that about the northeast of England. It's not quite London. <laughs> right. Well, uh, not to, um, exclude you from anything because what I, what I what I asked the lads to do was um just 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 pick their favorite derby experience so it's only fair we let you we let you do that one as well um well, if you can remember that far back Steve um yeah. <laughs> uh right we're gonna go around right Matt come on you you give me you give me yours um <clears throat> I, well I, mine has to be the the one now just before Christmas at St James, I think obviously we won't go into the goal scorer, but I think winning the yeah. derby it just ruined that for a lot of us. Wasn't it? Yeah, I was obviously that was there, and like just just before Christmas, winning them the last minute, I always think that's like as a kid, you're like, I imagine if we because you've seen other, you know, it's happened in other derbies before, and it never quite, I'd never seen it happen at either like for either side for us, and it was like imagine if we did that, and then we did, and. 
it was amazing to be fair i think that was i know that, that we've had others but i don't know that one's always the one at christmas time and it was pretty yeah it was pretty special it's slightly you know ruined i guess but, uh, <laughs> the moment itself you're never gonna you're never gonna take yeah. away yeah, you remember that me, me and gareth were in the press box for that and we 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 just couldn't obviously being in the Newcastle press box you can't celebrate. <laughs> I think it was just like oh, a look a look was exchanged. There was, was like, two new there was two Newcastle fans sitting next to me <laughs> in the press box. Literally What's two that? Newcastle fans with one of them What's had a bag from the club shop. Like I not like it was just bizarre. Like they just put them there next to me. I don't know if they were doing. And they were going on about Adam Armstrong. Adam Armstrong was going. These are West. If he scores today, he'll be a West End legend. That's what he's saying. He didn't. So he just spread it. How he plays for Southampton anyway. <laughs> okay, well, you're talking, Gareth. So give us, give us yours. That must have been some experience for you if you were if you were sitting there as well. Oh well, yeah, that would have been might have been mine because of that and watching the celebrations after and watching the players run over to the away end. And yeah. I think probably even though I was away from home and obviously seeing us beat Newcastle at the stadium, <laughs> it would probably have to be the three 0 hundred to Canio, I think, because it was given the importance of the game. Like you know, we were obviously battling relegation and we just I don't know where it came from um, and the the quality of the goals uh, was ridiculous really um, so because was the golf probably... in, in, in quality that year yeah I mean they yeah yeah in Europe in the week and I think that was uh, one of Pardew's I think he initially said it wouldn't be a problem and at the end it was a problem so you know yeah I was going to ask Richard but he's disappeared um yeah. So you have to yeah. Have Steve. yeah, come on then, Steve. Give us the give us the black yeah. and white view. I think I think mine would have to be obviously Alan's last game. And you, for, see, we we predicted you were going to say this. Go on then. Yeah. Right. I was training at Newcastle at the time. I'd just seen off. I think my third manager. I think we had seen off. Obviously, Sir Bobby went. Um, Graham went, and then obviously Glenn was in. And there was a couple of caretakers in between. Um, so because I was training in there, because during the during my cricketing career, I, I was fortunate that six months contracts were in cricket, not 12 months like they are now. And I didn't have anywhere else to train. And so Bobby kindly let me use Newcastle. So I was connected to the club as well as, um, you know, I knew quite a few of the players as, as well through from a social side. So from that point of view, it met it a little bit more special when you've seen and then obviously the euphoria of, of Alan's last game and everything went with it. But I was also at the 2-1 game when uh, it's St. James's when there was no, there was no roof on the Leeser's end. And me, 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 well, Tommy Wright was in goal for us. Who was it? Who scored? Philip scored. I named Quinn scored, Quinn didn't he? Philip, yeah, Quinn got, scored the first one. That that would have been my favorite. Quinn that would have been yeah. that's my favorite one. So that yeah. Quinn scored the first, and then Phillips scored yeah, that right, one yeah. where he, he put the ball over right after the rebound, didn't we he? Playing, we, we were playing Middlesex in a four-day championship game, which obviously got washed out and abandoned. And David Boone was Durham's captain, and he said to me and Paul Collingwood, "Under no circumstances are you allowed to go to that game." In, as you can imagine, that went on deaf ears because me and Collie were never going to miss it. Unfortunately, thing for Collie, like not like what's going to happen in this game, you get bust in and bust out. Collie went to the game and he's in his Durham CCC sponsored car, which had Paul Collingwood written all over the side of it. So he got cha- he got chased down Barrack Road. Him and a couple of his mates. Um, I think one of them got one of them got caught and got a, a little bit of kicking, but fortunately he was all right at the end of it. But Collie being nifty, he got away. 
So I was at that game. I reckon that night I could have jumped into the swimming pool fully clothed and come out drier compared to what it was that night. It was absolutely monsoon. <laughs> but in the middle of the afternoon, at lunchtime, we got a message through John Morris, who played for Durham at the time. He came into the Durham dressing room and said, you'll not believe Alan and Duncan Ferguson aren't going to play. And we're like, don't be stupid. No way. Not even Hollett would do that. And obviously he did. So, you know, we didn't believe Johnny until the teams went in, were written out and stone-faced Ferguson and Shearer were sitting behind and, and Sunderland won. But I think my favourite memory has to be the, the one where, when, when Alan finished, um, because, you know, you talk about Scholar and you talk about Kevin Nolan being brilliant for Newcastle against Sunderland. Um, but I think, you know, from a, a Geordie hero to finish his days at the Stadium of Life, his last ever kick was a goal against Sunderland. I think from a Newcastle fan, I'm sure that's what dreams are made of. Yeah, we had a feeling you were going to you were going to go for that one. Um, <laughs> it, was a, it was a soft penalty that way, wasn't it? <laughs> I think it was Danny I, Collins actually might have given the penalty. Where... It was, yeah. I, it's actually it's, Newcastle just tweeted something about it in the, some of the commentary. I think the commentary actually was it. it might have been might have been from somebody that played for Sunderland. I can't remember who it was, but he he was ever so complimentary towards the Sunderland defenders. Because they were awful. As much as I'm a Newcastle fan, yeah, you watch the goals. There was one, the Albert Luque goal was hilarious. Two defenders well, not not knocked each other out <laughs> as he went straight through it. The goal that yeah. the goal that yeah. he got, and Chopra Chopra just came on, run straight onto the pitch, and nobody seemed to pick him up from. He ran well, past he, he, kicked, he kicked the ball at the goalkeeper's hand, Steve. Let's yeah, but it's still it's still classed as a goal. So yeah, but it was good defending from some of them. Yeah, well, we, to be fair, you know, for balance, we did finish on 15 points that season. So that was. Do you know uh... what the worst thing about it is? <laughs> that, 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 that chopper goal is that Kelvin Davis actually caught the ball. The one time he did it. He, he didn't get away. <laughs> that was a surprise that he caught it and yeah, he let go yeah. of it straight away. All that confidence he'd gained from the uh, Easter, the, the Good Friday at Man United. God, yeah. He got, caught the ball on the, in, the, in that instance and was uh, punished. We won't talk about that any longer. <laughs> Rick, we lost you there. Did you? Did you have a, uh, a game to bring? Yeah, up? I think my favorite, my favorite, um, the two thousand and eight two one um, at home, just because it had been so so long in coming um, with the Richardson free kick. Uh, I, I, my tickets were in the in the north stand, um, right in the middle of the north stand, so it was kind of like straight down our throat. And and I, I was I said to me mate, it was like. He's never going to get it up and over from there, yeah. So he's going to lay it off to Juve. He's going to lay it off to Juve. Net. Like I was, I got midway through saying Juve, and it was it's in the back of the net. Yeah. So I was behind that. But yeah, it was just yeah. The 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 scenes. I don't think they were called limbs in those days. But it were. Uh, it was pretty special, especially going out in the town afterwards as well. It was it was a real real special moment. Mm. Well, before we move on, Steve, I just want to come back to something you mentioned there. So you said you used to train with Newcastle, I guess, like mm. in the winter months and stuff, when it was out of the cricket season. So, so what was the extent of that? Did they let you join in and play with them and stuff? Or was it just, no, pre- it just no physical way. stuff? Oh, that would have made it amazing, though, wouldn't it? <laughs> it was brilliant. It was brilliant as a Newcastle fan. Um, there was two, I had two rules on that, of my own rules on that. One, I never wore the kit. I never wore Newcastle kit because I, I believed you had to earn the right to wear the, the kit, so I had my own sort of England kit, or you know, I was my cricket kit, Durham kit, or whatever. In two, I never went outside. Cricket's a summer sport, so it was all it was, more, more often than not. I was training the winters, so I was no way I was going outside. 
Um, but joking aside, no, I was nowhere. I was putting myself in a position to be in you know, a contact sport with Bambi on ice legs like mine, um, anywhere near multi-million pound footballers. So that was that. Anything physical outside, I joined in. Anything, you know, I was mainly in the gym. And it was Sir Bobby Robson. I came back from Bangladesh after... I got man a match in the first test match. Didn't play in the second test match. Didn't go to Sri Lanka. And one of the London news, one of the London journalists wrote a horrendous article about me not wanting to travel and not wanting to play for England. And so Bobby had read it. And fortunately for me, Durham's Durham's former um, sports scientist, the guy who looked after Durham and put my body back to bed, back together a few times after injury, he was working for Newcastle at the time, and he had spoke to Sir Bobby, and Sir Bobby had offered if right, if he wants to get fit. And he wants to be serious, coming here and training here. And it was an, I had an amazing six years. You know, seen a few managers off. And you know, even when Sir Bobby went, Graham Souness came and first thing he said to me was, the senior players have said that you're just you, you're good as gold in here. You're more than welcome to carry on if that's what you want to do. And then obviously Glenn after that. And I left when Sam came more because my career was finishing with England. So... But it was it was great. I learned what it was like to be a sportsman. I learned what it was like to be a professional. So Bobby dragged me into the gym first up, pointed at Gary Speed, Shea Given, Alan Shearer, you know, Steve Harper, and said, "Look, that's they'll show you what it's like to play international elite sport." We did point in the other corner where Jermaine Janus, Kieran Dyer, Craig Bellamy, Titus Bramble, and one or two others. He said, "If you go anywhere near them, he says you're out." He said, I can't get rid of them, but I can get rid of you. So <laughs> he was brilliant. He was brilliant. And he made me, I had to eat at the times that they were eating. I trained when they trained. And he made me feel as though I was part of the group. Um, and it, it really benefited me. He saved my career, Sir Bobby Robson. And when I had my benefit testimonial, you know, the proceeds went to the foundation because he helped me so many, he helped me so much. And it was brilliant just to be involved in you know, Newcastle United as a fan as well. Well, have you fancied yourself playing stage? You're a big lad. Centre half or target man up front, which which no, I was centre half. I could kick anything that moved close, yeah, close as quick as what I could. But I couldn't catch. I couldn't catch many. Um, I was a physical centre half who who played it. Uh, played in the Northern League. Played Ashton for a, for quite a while, and then obviously when when it came, I had to I had to leave and 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 go and play you know cricket because that was me me job. And what was the you mentioned Paul Collingwood there, who, mm. who you know, anybody with a passing interest in cricket, no, certainly that sort of golden era in a way, because people think of the Ashes um, victories in, in, in the mid-noughties and stuff, and so people will know that Paul Collingwood's a Sunderland fan, obviously you're a Newcastle fan. I imagine you get a, a, quite a mix at Durham, and what, what was that like? You do get quite a mix. Collie, Collie brainwashed a few. Um, Jürgen Borthwick, massive son and fan. Obviously, Collie, me and Collie have hated each other for 25 years, um, mainly on Derby weekends. Um, there was a couple of times he brought a Sunderland shirt in for me. One, I tried to set fire. I couldn't quite get it into time before he took it back off me. Um, net sessions net sessions leading into that week were very, very interesting because Collie bowled at 65 mile an hour and I bowled at 95 mile an hour. So, Quite enjoyed bowling at him that week, um, but we had some, we had some yeah good fun, good time. There was one one instance we got asked to do the raffle at halftime during one of the derbies, and we got asked to wear our colours, and we both refused point blank to wear black and white or red and white. I was no way I was going to disrespect someone walking on a field at Stadium of Light with a Newcastle shirt on, you know, because I was a Durham player. 
in the one sporting organisation that brought Newcastle and Sunderland fans together was Durham County Cricket Club because you'd, you'd sit and you'd feel it fine leg and there they are on the radio listening to the games, watching the cricket and there'll be one sitting with a Sunderland shirt on listening to Nick Barnes and the other one sitting with a Newcastle shirt on listening to Razor or Mick Lowe's before that. And and then they are on the Sunday or the Monday or the Tuesday they'd sit side by side with their Durham shirts on and it was probably the one organisation, Durham County Cricket Club, that brought Newcastle and Sunderland together. And don't they sing Bladen Races? Are the Sunderland Arts having that? They do sing the Bladen Races, but I think I think a couple of the Sunderland lads who were brainwashed are from out of this area. In I've got to pick Scott Borthwick up. How he's not caught a nun that's the Bladen Races, a Newcastle song, because he sings it with gusto and you know vigour. But Collie, I think Collie brought the Bladen Races in. It was either Collie, Chris Bushworth, or Scott Borthwick, all three of them are massive Sunderland fans. So when I heard them singing that for the first time, I was like, "Look, you're not, you're not stupid, or what?" But no, <laughs> they, they, they love. It's not just sang; it's like plastered all over the walls as well. So, you know, I, I, again, it just brings that. There's a lot of Sunderland fans in the dressing room now, and you know, they're singing Newcastle song when they win. Bizarre, well, isn't it? Durham song, historically, I think. Um, <laughs> right, Steve, as you know, I've sat and watched Newcastle for a year and a half and watched them blow teams away, left, right and centre, mm-hmm. and it was very much their way, kind of in that zone when this draw was made. What's happened since? What's happened in the last few games? I think just injuries. I think injuries tells its, you know, has its toll. Not just on, I think from a professional sports point of view, I think it has from preparation as well. They're not training because they're playing games. And the one person who has not got the violin out, because if you look at someone like Antonio Conte or Jose Mourinho, when they were when they were at teams at Tottenham and one or two other places, when things weren't going so well, yeah, they, they complain and moan about everything. So fair play to Eddie Eddie Howe. He hasn't moaned about you know, the injuries up until probably the last week, and he's I think he's he's held them together as well as he possibly could have. He also. when you keep going and going and going and you're not training and you're not preparing, you know, you go potentially a little bit stale. And unfortunately, that's what probably has happened with Newcastle. The three big games they needed to pick up points in, obviously the Luton game was massive. The Nottingham Forest game was huge with the Liverpool and then, you know, the City game sandwich between the Sunderland game. That, for me, was always going to be the ones they needed to win. And that would have relieved the pressure going into this week. And this week, it's great. I think it's fantastic. It's it's something that you know, Newcastle fans have been desperate for. I think both, I really, I, I think if there, if there are, if the, both sets of fans are really honest with each other, you know, when Newcastle win the championship or Sunderland win the Premier League or vice versa, they missed each other. This is a game that everybody wants twice a season and, um, I think this is going to be a, a great week, but Newcastle desperately need to win. And if there is a good time to play Newcastle, from a Sunderland point of view, it probably is this weekend. Well, here's an argument to say that this is all just one elaborate plan by Newcastle just to give Sunderland some hope. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and and that's entirely why this run of forms come about, because they want us to build our hopes up a little bit. Because, I mean, who who just coming to the, to the um, Sunderland lads, I mean, if you think about when this draw was made and we were talking about stylistically how this is bad for us because this is the kind of team we struggle to play against at a championship level, is if, if people allowed themselves to start to believe, come on, tell me who's, tell me one of you pipe up and tell me who's starting to 
So convince yourself that, that we might be able to get something here now. Well, I'm 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 annoyed with myself to be honest because <laughs> I I have allowed that elements of that to create. When the draw was made, I was like, my first thought was, ah, oh, anybody but Newcastle, you know, because the golf, you know, the golf at the time, um, in form we weren't playing particularly well either, um, and just the. I mean, the size of it's like the different universes we're up, operating in at the minute. And like, as it, as the weeks have gone on, I've watched a couple of Newcastle games and I've seen them play, obviously, Champions League games and then the ones over Christmas. And I've kind of allowed myself stupidly to think, mm, actually, if we turn up here, I think we do have a chance. My head still says that we don't because I was kind of... The scoreline I had in my head at the time was that we would lose 2-0. But uh, I do have <laughs> there is a little bit of a little bit of me that thinks, but maybe we might win, actually. <laughs> I think that's getting a little bit bigger. But as it's getting closer, I'm kind of just erring trying to usher that away because it's it's not a nice time now because it's what three days away. And it's like that's pretty awful now, thinking about it. He's starting yeah. a little bit. I'm very much in the window of optimism. Um, as I was saying earlier, I, it will happen. I, I, I feel, you know, I've, 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 I have seen quite a lot, of, quite a lot of Newcastle. You know, the Champions League games, um, the games that they played on TV, um, and I think, oh, you know, when you look look at that side that's been stripped down to its bare bones, it's 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 more on a level. You know, just just not thinking about the fact of how much, like how much Joe Linton costs compared to our entire squad as an example so just ignoring that I think there's weaknesses that can be exploited and I'm probably in 48 hours not going to think like that at all but at the moment I'm allowing myself to think you know Jack Clark <laughs> I'm laughing even thinking it <laughs> like Jack Clark could probably exploit a little bit of space in front of him and and you know have have a real go at those those defenders and that kind of patched up backline. I think I think there's there's definite um you know it's it's definitely more level than it was perhaps two, three weeks ago. Probably worse. Like, because I don't I think, think we, his hope would have existed. No. I think we do like we do have players that can cause them problems, definitely. Like we do. Um we've seen that like this season, even against like I know Leicester and nowhere near a top end Premier League side now, but we did cause them a lot of problems and we've played well at times this season. Got, as well. Yeah, and we've got some talented players but it's the midfield that worries me uh, the, the, just the sheer size of Joel Linton um, if there was one player I was hoping to to pick up a knock uh, for all the quality you've got elsewhere I think it was him just because he, he could just totally dominate this game and if, yeah. if, if we allow it well, we don't even have to allow it he could just do it so uh, he's the worry for me well there's a couple of things I, I want to ask David about some of those things I actually we've mentioned both of those things already so might as well start there um that's what I'm concerned about as well. Because I think stylistically, which I acknowledge when this draw come out, watching Newcastle as much as I do, it wasn't good for Sonnen because of this, because of the way they play big physical side in the middle of the park and the hunting packs to find the right time to do it and the counter really, really quickly, which is generally the teams we struggle against. I think um, from a Newcastle point of view, Steve, is there a concern that Joe Linton, Bruno Gamrish, might get themselves too worked up for a game like this? That is a valid point because you've seen Joe Linton against Nottingham Forest 
he's basically standing from from half time, standing on the sideline, staring down Eddie Howe as he was as he was trying to warm up. And he's like a gladiator, gladiator trying to get on the field to help his team. Now that that side of it comes from Eddie Howe. That side of it comes Jason Tim, the lecture management side. So Michael Beale has got the same conversations with one or two of the Sunderland players that the emotions could overcome you and lose you the game. I think from a Newcastle and Sunderland's point of view, it, it's about the first 10 minutes and the last 10 minutes. Can Because I think what the big thing that you've got a, a huge thing that you've got to factor in is that in the last 18 months, Newcastle, every single game have been played in the atmosphere, which is going to be played at, at the stadium light on Saturday afternoon. It's going to be unbelievably raucous. It's going to be we are breathtakingly loud. It's going to be, you know, the atmosphere is going to make what is the derby. Now, how many times has Sunderland and Sunderland players played in that atmosphere over the course of the last 18 months, two years? A handful of times? Yeah, and Newcastle, are, Newcastle yeah. are Champions League. We are being to Dortmund, being to Milan. This, the, the atmosphere is not going to daunt the names you mentioned from a Newcastle point of view. So the first 10 minutes are huge for Sunderland. Can they withstand the pressure that Newcastle are going to hit them at? But then the emotion of the last 10 minutes and where you are as a team physically is demanding mentally. And that's when mistakes come. How many times do you see Man City win with five minutes, 10 minutes to go? Man United used to do it for years. Liverpool do it now. And I think that for me is where Newcastle probably have the edge on the emotion side of it. And then it comes down to individual talent. And Newcastle can be exploited in, in their box. You know, last year, you would have said no chance. No chance, because they don't concede goals. With Isaac, Gordon, Almiron, you're thinking there's quality there where Newcastle are going to create a hell of a lot of chances. It's up to them to finish them, where last year you would have said, Sunderland, no chance. Trippier, Botman, Shaw, Byrne, Pope. It is, that's, that's just solid. So both boxes are huge. I'm talking in cliches, and I think, but I think from the game point of view, Sunderland are still nil-nil after 10 minutes. They can grow into the game. I think Newcastle will come hard, will come fast, especially yeah, with the atmosphere building and it'll go bang from the start. It comes down the last 10 minutes and whether Sunderland are physically and mentally able to hang on if they are in the game still. I had a feeling Newcastle will come That's where Newcastle could exploit. I had a feeling they will come and just let let us have the ball for a bit and then because like I said they have to, no you know, sometimes when they're hunting packs and then hit teams on the counter I was thinking are they going to just try and weather the storm for the first five and then choose the moment to really get try and get in behind us because we do struggle against the counter attack and Newcastle really good at that when it clicks on how I don't think six and a half I don't think six and a half thousand Geordies will let Newcastle sit back I think they'll be at and at and at so it'll be a, be, I think it'll be a great contest. I, I, I don't see it being you know, Newcastle in the Premier League, Newcastle being in the Champions League, Newcastle winning 5 or 6 now. I don't see that. The derby. How many times do you see a derby you know, cancel each other out for lot, you know, large portions of the game? And if they do that, then I think it comes on the quality. And what you mentioned before, that Grimmaresh quality, that Isaac quality and that Gordon quality especially, that might be the difference from the Premier League side. I think the first ten minutes there is massive. Like if if yeah. we do concede early, that's that that be disastrous for us. Because the players then could we saw it we saw it last season in a in a game against uh, Stoke where it was kind of 
we were all desperate. Obviously, it wasn't you know nowhere near this sort of thing, but it was Alex Neil coming back, and we went one 0 and we just fell. The team fell apart, and it was like a that sort of like. And we've seen you know Southampton have played Portsmouth with a similar gap in in quality in teams and in a derby, and they've just swatted them aside. And an early goal would kill it, I think. So I think it's the ten minutes, ten fifteen minutes is is massive. Sunderland need to score first. You feel? Yeah, we do one hundred percent to get anything out of the game. And you, did you see that stat that was floating around earlier that said that Sunderland are the only side in the top four divisions that have won every game they've had a lead in this season? Mm. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm. I'll clutch at anything. I'll clutch at any straw that's gone. <laughs> I just saw that stat earlier on. I thought it was quite interesting. Um, I think, Steve, I think what you, the, the individual battles, I think, are going to be the thing that I'm looking forward <clears> to in the game. Like the game, it's, I'm looking forward to seeing you know some of the bet players that we have test themselves against you know a better quality opposition so you know seeing how Neil does seeing how Clark does um Eckler you know Patterson players like that it's a test for them um and if if those individuals have good games I think the confidence will grow and it'll be a closer encounter I think if you played the game 10 times I think something will probably win once or twice um so just got to hope that on 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 Saturday, it's the it's we get the anomaly first. Um, well, that's not being negative. Well, yeah, yeah, I mean it's it's, it's not it's not being negative. It's just that you know the fact of the matter is that like you know you've highlighted Matt. It's there's a gulf in standard. Um, so th- that's just the way it is. It's probably the you know the biggest gap there's ever been yeah. between the two teams and and so in 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 history. Um, Certainly, the biggest of the generation. Right? Well, I think we, yeah, I think the only time in compare, like, had we drawn Newcastle, had Sunderland drawn Newcastle in the cup, when when Keegan was managing, they were finishing second, and Sunderland had Mick Buxton as manager, mm. fighting us up. That might have been a bigger gap. No, I just mean in time. terms of an actual contest. Yeah, yeah, players, no, I agree. Yeah, you know, we. Yeah, there's only fifteen. There. There's only fifteen, sixteen places between each other and the pyramid. There's only that. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, no, but yeah, if you. If you look at it in the grand scheme of things, you know, yeah, I know, yeah, hindsight's a wonderful thing, but you, you, you get Sunderland could have been one of them teams that got promoted last year under Mowbray. You're the sixth in the prem, the sixth in the championship at the minute, and they're last. They're all saying there's a massive gulf between Newcastle and Sunderland. Sunderland go and do what Newcastle did at the back end of last season and not concede goals. There's no reason why this this could be a league game next year, and I'm listening to four people to doom and gloom and say it's the biggest golf that there has been in <laughs> in a generation. I know we haven't played each other for nine years, but yeah, that that's that that but that actually tells its own story. That's what tells you what the Premier League is, and that tells you what the Premier League money brings. And like I said right at the very start, and I know a lot of Newcastle and Sunderland fans. Love to hate each other, but boy, would they love a two games every single every single season. It would be unbelievable every single season if Newcastle played someone. I want to ask you about Newcastle defence as well, Steve, because that's the other thing. Um, they've got a lot of players coming back, as you said. They've had the injury problems. I'm thinking like Sven Botman in particular, who's such a good player. Um, but does there have to be, despite how you know being derby game? Does it have to be an element of responsibility from from Eddie Howe in that? Is this a game for him? It's a cup game. Do you think you, may, you might maybe look to Lascelles instead? 
No, I think you play. I think you play Botman. He, Sven Botman is is one of the. I think he's one of the best, better defenders in the Premier League. He just hasn't. Last year he was unbelievable. This year he's come back from an injury, and actually, I think some of his movements. He looks as though he, he possibly still is that. Well, that's that what I mean. Bit, yeah. Does, does he not think injured than he is fit? Hmm. I don't. I think protection in front of him doesn't help. I don't think Ramirez has had the help because Joe Linton missed a couple of games. He's been off the ball a little bit from a mobility point of view. Sean Longstaff played in the left and not played in the right where Miley was, and that gives him a little bit more protection. Um, at the end of the day, Newcastle just haven't defended very well, whether it be Pope not behind them. Um, but I can, I can, I can probably say that Newcastle's back four on Saturday will be Trippier, Shaw, Lachelles, and probably Livramento. Because I would imagine you go with Pierce either side, with a view that if I was Eddie Howe, I'd be attacking Sunderland. I'd be looking to go and win the game. Is than not injured? To... Well, they're saying he might be fit for Saturday. They're saying he might be fit for Saturday. And I think if he is fit, even if he's 90% fit, even though he's given a couple of goals away, he plays for me. Even a 90% fit Trippier on that field sets a standard to them players like you'd not believe, you know, he came on a sub again, Tranmere in the Carabao Cup. Half time, we'll get beat 1 0. He just lifts the standard. And I know he's made some mistakes, but you know, for me, he's he's a better player when he's in the team. And Newcastle are a better player when Trippier plays. It's Jack Clark. Coming up against Jack Clark, that'd be interesting. Interesting battle. That. Either battle is good. Clark or, Clark or Trippier against Livermento was probably the battle of the game because that's probably Sunderland's biggest way of creating chances and outs. When you hit Newcastle on the break, so either one, it's going to be a for me, it's going to be a great battle. Whether it's Trippier's experience getting tighter and not letting Clark get at him, or Livermento probably go the other way and say, right, try and run at me because there's no way you're going to beat me for pace. So you don't think he played Dan Burn, no? Would the Geordie element not help? I think if Kieran Trippier's fit, he plays. And I think the pace of Livermento on the other side might just be the contributing factor why you might go with Livermento after getting, pardon the pun, he got burnt last week when he played burn. Probably not fully fit. Botman not fully fit. And he probably could have played Livermento legs and that might have got him out of the trouble he got into against um, against Nottingham Forest when we got when we got murdered on the break. What about in the midfield? Who's he playing? Joe Linton? And Bruno are going to play out there. Um, I think long, so. I long, think long staff on Miley. He's got a decision there. Then I guess. I think you play a long staff. I think you play a long staff's energy and play a long staff along with Almiron, Isaac, and Gordon. Okay. Hmm. What, what about what about can any any of the Sun and that say any changes from Patrick Roberts is not I fit. Unfortunately, Robert... I would I would have loved to have seen Roberts. Come up against Dan Byrne in particular, but like Steve said, I think it was it was quite publicly highlighted how Forrest targeted him, and and I don't know he'll be begging to play, won't he? The fact he's a Newcastle fan and stuff. But I would have loved to have seen Roberts games, but Roberts not going to play. So I think if Roberts was fit, he might have gone to that with Pritchard through the middle. I don't think he can play a Bar. I don't think he can start him in this game. Um, so I think it'll probably be. As you were, and as you were on Saturday, really. Um, I don't mind that, you know. Yeah, Roberts is obviously not fair. It's just pretty gutting, to be fair. Maybe you can have him on the bench. I don't know. I don't know how. Like he hasn't, he hasn't ruled him out, has he? So we don't know. Um, 
But I don't mind the team we had out on Monday. I thought it was I thought it was it was kind of well, it was imbalanced actually, but it, it kind of helped. Elise uh, had a good game, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Size, it's, that was he, yeah, and obviously planned. You would think that was planned taking him off. So yeah, um, I, yeah, I don't see see any changes. I think that... a much needed improved performance by Ekwe as well, wasn't it? Well, yeah, he was very good. Was, yeah. yeah, he's gonna have to be on it because he's the physical. Like he's big. Like he's you know he's he is the big player in the middle. So if physically he's the one that is is the closest to to Joe Linton, really. So um, yeah. He's a stopper, isn't he? It's, it's yeah. what we need in the middle. Yeah, and Pritchard obviously has the the experience—not of this game, but of probably played in the biggest games of anyone in the team. To be fair, so he played the Premier League at least. So, um, yeah. So I, I don't see him making any changes unless we pick up any injuries in the next couple of days, or unless Roberts makes a miraculous. Can we get Yuri Geller in or something? Yeah, <laughs> well, unless, unless uh, Dummett plays for Newcastle there's yeah. not one player there's not one player in either squad that's that's been been involved in this this fixture before Marcel's not played before no no uh, no Dubravka came just yeah. after I think the mm. cells played in, in that Dubravka. reserve game didn't he the 6-0 was it when what more scored a hat we're not we're yeah. not counting oh, Yes. Same ball ourselves played in that Keep game. Straws coming a clutch as yeah. great. <laughs> I think I think like that that might play a part because you know there's there's players on on both sides that I haven't experienced and you've seen it before when there's you know there's players that have had great seasons and just completely wilted under the under the under the lights of of, of a northeast derby. Um, so I'm, I'm I'm clutching onto those kind of straws. Like there might be a few rabbits and headlights, but I, I mean, that's going to be on both sides as well. Um, I think they're they're very quickly going to find out what it's like. You know, it's it's going to be the first second of the game. They're going to hear that that raucous noise, and it's like it. And I've, I've you know, it's my my daughter's first derby, and I've tried to explain to her there is no explaining the the noise that she'll hear of 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 just constant. It's like kind of like constant hatred on on both should we sides. Go around so, our, should we quickly before we finish go around our first derbies because that's I remind that reminds me of my dad telling yeah. me that at Roker Park and, and he was trying to explain the derby game to me and this would have been when we were relegated I was only like nine or ten I'd been relegated in 91 so it would have been division two um 91 92 season perhaps at Roker Park 1-1 they always seem to be 1-1 in those days and I can remember that was something else that was my first one I was there when Marco did win playoff final. Oh, playoff. Yeah. Yeah. I was at the, yeah. I was in the corner. I was at yeah, the School of Excellence. So we were in the paddocks in the bottom bottom underneath. But we were actually underneath the pitch because you, you peered up over the yeah. top, didn't you? Um, I was there when Marco did us in the rain. You didn't run on the pitch and try and get the game called. I don't think I went to one before. I don't. I can't remember one before that. I keep taking a mick out of Ando because I'm... Um, one of my first games was when Ando scored one of his only goals for, for Newcastle against Millwall, I think it was. But I think it was around about that time, late, late 80s. But I think the, my first derby was, was the Gabby Dean one. Mine was uh, 99 and the stadium light. 2-0. That was yeah. mine as well, yeah. My, my first one was the was when Dabby's last scored. It was quite late. Yeah, um, back, um, yeah, so it was that that two thousand three, two thousand. Yeah, it would have been. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I remember just walking out and and 
the Newcastle fans were coming out and the coaches at the time and I was walking on the on the, the north side of the river and uh, they were, they were all holding up like Nationwide or Coca-Cola or whatever. They, whoever the sponsor was, they were holding up because we were going to get relegated. Nice. Who? Um, what do we think about Newcastle's ticket allocation? Oh, Steve, well. we've, 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 we've had we've had all that. Steve, we're going to throw that hand grenade in. No, we, we, we've, we've done a whole podcast on this already. Open um, the can of worms. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going, Steve. I'm, I'm not going. I've refused to go. Refused to go? No, uh, I'm not going. I, I couldn't believe when I seen that. 6,000. Six I, I don't have a problem with the number, to be fair. Because like, we would have wanted the same allocation, so I don't have an issue with the number. I, it's the it's the fact that it's the moving of the fans that you know it's the it yeah. is the, at the end of the day that's that's the thing that that sticks. But the number itself, we we if we'd have played, we would have been asking for the same. So yeah, mm-hmm. and you'd have been in the gods as well. So yeah. you wouldn't so have been moving you fans. You would have been up, you still would have been in the same place. Yeah, but it's yeah. like the, it's yeah, the they're not, they're not in a replay, they're not giving Sunderland the lasers in, they're, they're, they're pitch side no. anyway. Do you know also, what I mean? Yeah, well, so what time do Newcastle fans have to get, get the bus on the yeah, it's, it's eight, eight, eight in the morning, it? right? So, what's going to happen if, if it's a replay? Yeah. Picks off at 7.45. You get 6,000 Sunderland fans from Sunderland to Newcastle in a bubble during rush hour mm. on a weeknight. Good luck. There's no chance. Yeah. Like it's not going to happen. Like the reciprocal thing. There's no chance you're going to get Sunderland fans. Well, on the that, that game. Steve like, I mean, it would be, it'd be though, good to get it. It would be good to get a draw to just see what see what they wow. do. But that one, that one we mentioned earlier in, in in the rain on the mid. That was midweek, and I got. I we had to get bubble buses for that. I remember that was I was on the bus. About a thousand people there though. We didn't even get that. We got about six hundred exactly. tickets. But my yeah. point is, when you got six thousand, how are you going to get six? Yeah. You're going to have to. You're going to have to take a day off work if you go into the match. The one in the yeah, rain. The one in the rain. I think it was only about twenty six or twenty seven thousand in the stadium because the, the the roof had that they hadn't put the big the roof on that side. We were in. The, I was at a season ticket in that end, and we were in the rain. And the Sunderland fans were where where. In the in the corner of the leader standing, and because they, they, they were in the rain as well. And I remember Collie, I can't get he couldn't because obviously we were playing cricket. Collie couldn't get to the stadium alike to get the bus, so he had to get. He, so he drove stupidly, drove, and he's like I said before, in his car, which had Paul Collingwood written all over the side of it. And everybody knew who Paul Collingwood was, and everybody <laughs> knew he was a Newcastle uh, Sunderland supporter. So, oh. <laughs> That's a great yeah. decision, that. that I just love yeah. the idea of him coming back to his car and like, oh, oh dear. I, I, parked, I went out in the Quayside once, so I went to a gig in the Quayside and I, I drove my car and I had a Metro radio sticker uh, with the sunburn colours on the back and it was um, it was just absolutely covered. So, someone, I don't know, someone must have had bronchitis or something, but it was absolutely covered. Like, so it was like fair play, like I would have done the same. Maybe well, Paul Co- maybe Paul Kong would have had to do like an Alan Partridge and get somebody to like do a quick yeah. fix on his car. <laughs> and Brist- taking it back to Bristol yeah. Street Motors the next morning. Like What's happened to this? Collingwood. Yeah. <laughs> wow. No, I think um, like the allocation. I think uh, now we're in the kind of now we've accepted it, and obviously there's nothing I, I'll never accept about it. it now. But I've, no, moved no, on, but I've moved on from it. I would say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is gonna. It's gonna make it a different. A different kettle of fish to what we've experienced in a, in a derby before. You know, when when they've been in, when the Newcastle fans have been in the South Stand, um, you know, and that was that that season when me and you, Gareth, we were in the um, in the South 
Southeast, southeast yeah. corner. It you know you, when you can hear them and you, you can obviously you can hear them when they when they're in the in the north north stand up but it's it's a different kettle of fish when they're kind yeah. of in the same concourse well, as you. Remember and, the whole jangling keys thing and all. Remember that. Was that yeah. in that four one? I think that might have been Shearer's last game at Harmson. Yeah, yeah. Shearer's last game. Back to, coming back to what I said before, first ten minutes, first last ten minutes, because the actual the actual environment that this game is going to create, which is going to be amazing, it's going to be unbelievable for forty eight thousand people. That's going to be inside the stadium. But Newcastle players have been playing in this game, these games, not these games, because there's no no game like Newcastle song. But the atmosphere and the, the noise element, Newcastle have been consistently playing in this. And that might, well, from a Newcastle fan point of view, you hope that it affects the Sunderland players for the, for the initial part of the game. I hope somebody's thought about the tunnel situation when we run out as well. Somebody, <laughs> if you listen, somebody at the club, think about it. Yeah. We can't be coming running out of the north stand. Yeah, because the changing rooms are on there. You're going to have to switch them around in the tunnel. So. Yeah. I, I be crossing like, over it like, tripping over. Oh, with the left two. The left two. That would be a first ever, wouldn't it? Like the two sets of players running out to opposition ends. Yeah. The la- the left two. The left two. Yeah. If right. it, if nobody thought of that, then Oh, don't, honestly. Like Richard yeah. mentioned, there's no I don't think there's any player on the in the game. Even in the coaching staff. Look yeah. at Newcastle's coaching staff. There's nobody in there that actually has been involved in a Newcastle Sunderland derby. Graham Jones is a Geordie, but he's never played in either of the game. I don't think there's anybody in the Sunderland coaching staff. I don't Proctor, know the possibly. Michael Proctor would Proctor, have, yeah. would have played. Yeah. yeah. I mean Stevie I mean, you, be involved in that game. You might be able to answer just from a sports psychology perspective and extrinsic motivators, all that kind of thing. I know I've sort of talked about and some people might think, oh well. It doesn't matter that much, but you've obviously run out as or walked out at uh, you know, with MCG boxing day, stuff like that. 90,000 Australians being for blood, all that kind of thing. How much of a factor could it be if, say, somebody hasn't thought of something as simple as that and Sunderland run out at the start of the game into a massive end, the home end of Sunderland to full of Newcastle fans Newcastle. in the first derby for years? <laughs> Be massive. That could be the start of what I was on about for the first ten minutes of the game. You know, you're trying to do a fifteen minute, twenty minute warm up, and an end where everything feels at home, apart from the people are, are are closest to you. So I remember you mentioned. I remember two thousand and two Boxing Day, ninety six thousand in Melbourne, and Nasser Hussain thought it was a great idea to run up and do calf stretches in front of Bay Thirteen, which is like the most historical venomous crowd in world cricket was standing pushing boundary boardings and somebody had sh- somebody shouted to NASA oi NASA Saddam's more popular in your country than you are at the minute because obviously Australia were 3-0 up and it was like right come on we're off and we, we just started <laughs> running at the other opposite way so yeah you can you can go and fight it if you want Sunderland fans I would imagine a Lee Catamol would pull his shorts up drag his team to the Newcastle end and say come on give us your best um, but if you're not prepared for what you're going to hear, yeah. you know, you've got to be, yeah, it, it, look, it's going to be a great, I think it's going to be a great occasion. I think the game will be closer than what people think it's going to be. Um, sure. Just just before we go, Steve, give us your best and worst ever atmospheres for playing cricket for England. I'm guessing Australia were involved in both. But Australia, just... yeah, the atmosphere, the atmosphere at Lords, 
the atmosphere at Lords first yeah, first test against Australia in 05 was just like I said, it's mind boggling because you go through took five wickets. Yeah, but you go through yeah, it's the one. Yeah, you go through the long. You go through. It's one of the only places in world sport you have to move. You have to move supporters out of the way to get on the pitch. You go through the long room. Have you ever, you know, anything about Lords? You've actually got to move them out of the way. The members out of the way. Excuse me, pardon me. I've got to go out and play cricket, sort of thing. Um, but this was this was different. They were cordoned off and. You know, the, the, the egg and bacon tie lot, the posh lot at, at Lords. I've never heard noise like it. I've never like posh people cheering it, just like a different noise. It really is. So <laughs> trying to get your head around that and then go on the field. That, that was probably the best atmosphere. Probably the most hostile was in Pakistan in Karachi when Shahid Afridi was coming back from his ban when he thought he thought they were hard done by because we got him banned. We didn't. He was just moonwalking all over the pitch and everybody's seen it. He got banned, but he got brought back. His first game back was in his hometown of Karachi, and there was 60-odd thousand people. And I mean, it was terrifying. I mean, it was terrifying. They did they did not like England at all. Um, and they made their, their, their feelings pretty clear who their favourite son was. And um, that was probably the most hostile I've felt on a cricket pitch, and that was in Karachi. And that was about December of five, I think it was, so... Um, great times, great moments, and I'm sure Newcastle Newcastle fans, Sunderland fans, and more importantly, the players, over the course of the next sort of three or four days, are going to go through a wide range of emotions. And I just hope at the end of it that we all come to the same conclusion that we'd love this to happen twice twice a season. If you look, if you look at that... Yeah. Uh... I mean, talk about the atmosphere, and obviously, you I mean you were quick then, anyway, Steve. But the, obviously, you were pumped to the point where I remember I was out in the morning, and I thought it started at eleven, but it started at half ten, didn't it? Mm. Um, and uh, I got back in, not realizing. And I was like, "Oh, they've started," and it was about ten to. But I think there's only been about half an overball, and I think it's because you hit Langer, didn't you, on the elbow? Langer punting, and, 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 and then and then and then you got hit. Then you hit Ponton in the fit, like in the grill, and he cut his face. And there was that was like, you know, surely there's something behind that in the atmosphere, you know, getting you pumped up to the point where he could do that damage. We were we were like gladiators going into the battle, and I think that if it's controlled, it's brilliant. If it's uncontrolled, it's it's catastrophic. Mm. And that is down to Michael Beale and Eddie Howe. Mm. Half an hour, fifteen minutes. 10 minutes before they go out. If they can get them under control, then you know that, that could be that could make or break first 10 minutes again. Need a strong referee. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Get beef you'd think with, do it then. You'd, <laughs> you'd think like Michael Beale would be would have the edge in terms of of, of having managed a, an old firm derby and and Eddie yeah, Howe has probably lose. managed a, a South Coast derby or something against uh I don't know. I think the karma Southampton, character. Southampton. I think the karma yeah. character would be Eddie Howe. I can't see Eddie Howe losing his emotion. I've seen Michael Beale quite a few times lose his shit, and oh, I'm just thinking, oh, is he is he ready for that? That because he came out of the the coaching world into the number one job. Mm. I get what you're saying about the the Rangers and Celtic, and that's the biggest, probably the biggest for me, but. I think from a, an emotional person point of view, I think the one that 
you've yeah, Steve, you've seen Eddie Howe after defeats and, and after wins when he comes into the press room. And there's a calm, very, very calm, very, very controlled character. <clears throat> and I think that could be the difference leading into the game. When, when I said Michael Beale has the edge, I, I mean, I'm, I'm clutching. Uh, I'm just clutching <laughs> at anything right now. So, so <laughs> allow me to indulge myself in that. I don't. I don't mean he's, he's the better manager. Gonna, yeah, People are going in the next. You're, in the you're next, not going to see Eddie Howe go mental on the touchline. It's not his style at all. No, in no. the next three days, in the next three days, we're all going to say some incredibly stupid things. <laughs> I've said them all tonight. So and then you know that, that's what we've got to remember, and that's what it does, isn't it? We're all going to we're all going to you know have wake up, and someone's going to have a dream where we win four nil, and they've scored the fourth <laughs> goal. Um, yeah. That sort of thing. There's all going to be that. And there's going to be the dream where you, the ball keeps running away from you, can't get on the end of it, and uh, you get beat. Um, and then there'll be all the other things in between. So it's one of them in it where you just on the deal, just want to get the game on, get it kicked off. That's what I was thinking. Derby is like I hated the build up, absolutely hated it. Made us feel sick. This is early. You want the game kicked off, and once it's once it's on, that's it. It's you can't do anything about it anymore. So. Not that you can do anything anyway, but I don't know. You feel more in control. <laughs> yeah, well, you're gonna, play. <laughs> Maybe because it's closer to it's closer to the uh, closer to the uh, the end. I don't know, but I, I will. I mean, I know Steve's saying, and I kind of agree with the point where he's saying it'd be great if we had the game every twice a year. But I absolutely, I, I just hate them. <laughs> They're great when you win. When thankfully, as Stephen mentioned before, start recording the last sort of ten, eleven years we've been doing the podcast. We are we are undefeated. Um, in the derby, so the last time we lost was 2011 August um, under Steve Bruce. So coalition government, yeah. So yeah, um, Vince Cable is a business secretary. Sorry, I'm digressing. <laughs> yeah, but anyway. right, do we want to go out with predictions or not? Because I kind of feel like I don't uh, want to. I don't want to be negative. I don't want to. People accuse us of being negative here. Um, I'm interested in Steve's prediction. I think Newcastle will win three one. I think Newcastle will win 3-1. I just think that quality at the end of the game will be the ones that shows. Might be a stalemate for a while and then comes alive. I think Newcastle will finish stronger and a bit like what Liverpool did to Newcastle the other day. And I think Newcastle will, will win 3-1. Well, Newcastle did, Liverpool did Newcastle the day. I don't think they finished strongly. I think they just began strongly. In All the way through. Could have been for Nebraska. It could have been 10, but... Yeah, I think I think that I think the Premier League intensity from a mental and physical point of view will probably show out in the last 10, 15 minutes because of the enormity of the derby and the emotion that's gonna go in for the forty eight hours before and then during the ninety minutes of the game. I think I'll just say that I think if Sunderland score first, I think they've got a chance. No, no, you no no no, you need to give a No, no you need to predict. Come on. Yeah, no, I do I. Oh, then, Matt, come on, then. You're, you're, you're telling me I've got to predict. What's your prediction? I'm not going to predict us to lose. That I, I think I think we'll win 2 1. Okay. Eagle. I think we're going to. Uh, I think we're going to win. I think we're going to win at the moment. We're going to win 2 1. Um, and I think the zero, zero chance of 22 players being on the pitch at the end of the pick. Yeah, I would agree with that as well. It won't I'll, have VR, will it? Will no, no, the replay would though, I think. Yeah, the replay would because it's, it's yeah. a gym. It's yeah. mad that. It doesn't, it doesn't make any sense to me. Right. You just not have it. Like, 
we've got oh, goal line. We'll, we'll have goal line decision, like so if it goes over the line. Um, but we don't have it if it's if it goes out of play. I mean, not that not that it's ever affected Newcastle, but if the ball goes no. out of play, there's going to be no VAR to, <laughs> to to help. But yeah, it's um, well, but it will have, it will apply in the replay if there is a replay, won't it? If we had VAR yeah, in like the Canio three 0 then uh, we would it would have been one all, wouldn't it, for that CC header? Yeah. So you know. Yeah. We should not have right. that. And Vaughan's goal would have been offside, yeah. Yeah, it would have been as well. Yeah, never mind, eh? Um, I'm going to say, I'm good, I can only say one all. I'm going to have to say I one all. We'll draw as well. And I we'll probably we'll... lose a replay, but you know. The replay nice won't, to... yeah. I think we'd lose the replay quite. The replay is terrifying as all, to be fair, be because of how good Newcastle are at home, I know. Um, yeah. Yeah, but I th- I've got a feeling. You asked me this two weeks ago, I thought there was no chance we'd get anything, but I'm kind of. I'm kind of thinking if we score first, I'm I've just got a feeling it might be a draw. Well, There's no point thinking oh, I'm going to get we're going to get walloped. Nah, well, it's just nah. it it's won't like, be a surprise if we lose a game. It'd you're at home though. Anything. Yeah, you're all at home. Newcastle only won one game away from home. Yeah, yeah. Given home. we're giving off the ground. Very good, Sheffield. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. You did score eight in that game. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. Well. That's a good place to leave it. So thanks, Dave, for joining us. And um, oh yeah, this build-up's going to be awful, like uh, like Gareth alluded to. So uh, as always, thanks for listening. Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.